Good morning. I met a guy in seminary who was led to the Lord through the book of Proverbs, sort of. He was a soldier in Vietnam, and uh, like many soldiers, he had his little pocket New Testament that had Psalms and Proverbs at the back. And like many soldiers, he just kept it in a pocket, uh, more as a good luck charm than anything else. But once he was bored out of his mind and couldn't think of anything to do, but he felt that in his pocket and he pulled it out and opened up to this verse. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 9. It is better to live in a corner of the housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. And he said, this book speaks truth. What else does it have to say? And he found the gospel of John and he found Jesus. I met him in seminary. He's a pastor now. He wrote a little gospel tract based on that verse in Proverbs. I hope you're enjoying our study of Proverbs. I hope you're doing the read a chapter a day thing according to the day of the month that it is. Uh, And let's pray that God will show us the wisdom that he wants us to live with. You know, you, you won't find the name of Jesus in the book of Proverbs, but you'll find his fingerprints all over it. He is the author of wisdom, and uh, we can glean a lot. Let's open ourselves up to him. Father, I pray that you would speak to us through your word today. I pray that the things you have shown me will prove to be helpful to us as we seek to live lives of wisdom and reflect back to you the wisdom that you have given to us. And so, Father, we just come to you humbly and ask that you would help us to receive well the word that you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. An event took place in Chicago, 1929 that shook up the educational world. A man named Robert Maynard Hutchins was inaugurated as president of the University of Chicago. Now you may say, well, what's the big deal about that? University of Chicago was and is a prestigious school. At the time, it was the fourth richest university in America. And Robert Maynard Hutchins was 30 years old, inaugurated as the president of that school. Eight years earlier, he was a student in uh, Yale University's law school, working his way through as a lumberjack and a waiter and a clothesline salesman. And here he was being inaugurated as the president of the University of Chicago. Well, You can imagine the critics came out of the woodwork. Uh, They were all over him. Uh, They called him the boy wonder. They told him he was too young. They said he was too experienced, that his inexperienced, that that his educational ideas were cockeyed. And the newspapers printed a lot of really unkind things. 
And the day that he was inaugurated, a friend said to his father, I was shocked to read this morning what the newspaper said about your son. And Hutchins' father said, yeah, I know, I read it too. It really was harsh. But remember this, nobody ever kicks a dead dog. He knew his son's potential, and he knew that the unjust criticism that his son was receiving only reminded him that his son was going to make a difference. And he did. President from 1929 to 1945. Chancellor from 1945 to 1951. What do you do with unjust criticism? What do you do when it comes your way? We all get it. We can't stop it. We just need to learn how to deal with it. And the book of Proverbs can be so very helpful because it can show us how to deal with all of the things that are said to us, the helpful and the hurtful, the kind and the caustic. I call it wisdom for the ears. And it involves an entirely different perspective than what we may be used to. It begins with the sovereignty of God. The realization that God is in control. And that is a faith statement. When we say God is in control, we are stepping out in faith. God is in control of the universe. He's in control of our lives. He's in control of our circumstances. And he brings others into our lives in his sovereignty, both those we appreciate and those we don't, in order to shape us into the likeness of Christ. We recognize that these other people are valuable to us regardless of how they come across. And we realize that sometimes they don't come across very well at all. They're the heavenly sandpaper that God uses to knock the rough edges off of our lives. The process doesn't feel very good, but we trust in a sovereign God who has purposes to accomplish in the midst of all of that. And because of that, everyone, everyone has something to contribute to our development. And we need to exercise godly wisdom for the ears and listen to all of them. The first duty of the wise is to listen. And I think for the average person, that's kind of hard to accept. But think about the points in what I have just mentioned. Uh, point one, God is in control. Uh, point two, God brings people into our lives in order to shape us. Point three, these people are valuable to us no matter how they come across because they are part of that shaping of our lives into the likeness of Christ. And point four, they all have something we can learn from and so we need to listen to all of them. It's as though the comments that are delivered to us, whether by friend or foe, uh, advisor or adversary, spouse or sparring partner, pastor or postman, all of them are gifts from God intended to help mold us into the very likeness of Christ. They're gifts 
They're gifts. So the first question we need to ask is this. Do you want a gift? Do you want a gift? I have never been known to turn down a gift. Do you want a gift? Now you may be thinking, sure I do, but I don't want that gift. I don't want a gift from that person. That person has nothing of value to contribute to my life. Really? Is that so? Nothing? Proverbs chapter 18, verse 2 tells us how foolish it is to think we don't need somebody else's input. It says, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. It's a fool who says, I don't need to listen to you. All I want to do is convince you of my perspective. The only person who thinks he doesn't need to listen to others, the Bible calls a fool. So who do we need to listen to? Let me mention a few that I have gleaned from the book of Proverbs. First, we need to listen to those who advise us. Advisors, you, you find that theme throughout the book of Proverbs. Many advisors bring success. We need to listen to those who advise us. Chapter 12, verse 15 says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. The Living Bible puts it this way, a fool thinks he needs no advice, but a wise man listens to others. We need to listen to those who would advise us. We also need to listen to those who would instruct us. Chapter 19, verse 27 says, Cease to hear instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. When we stop listening, we start straying. Listen to those who would instruct us. Third, listen to those who correct us. Chapter 13, verse 18 says, Poverty and disgrace come to him who ignores instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is honored. I like the way the Living Bible puts this one. If you refuse criticism, you will end in poverty and disgrace. If you accept criticism, you are on the road to fame. The difference is whether or not we will accept criticism when it comes We need also to listen to those who would rebuke us. Chapter 15, verses 31 and 32. The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. Here's the Living Bible on that one. If you profit from constructive criticism, you will be elected to the wise man's hall of fame. But to reject criticism is to harm yourself and your own best interests. One more. We need to listen to those who would discipline us. Chapter 12, verse 1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but who hates, he who hates reproof is stupid. Listen to those who would seek to discipline us. Now, that's a lot of listening. To all of those people, that's a lot of listening, but that's the point. If you think back to where we started in chapter 1, verse 5, when we were looking at the wise man and the fool, chapter 1, verse 5 says, let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the wise listen. The first duty of the wise is to listen. 
The wise man is eager to gain understanding and he knows that you can't do it if all you want to do is express your own opinion. If you were to do a word study through Proverbs on the word listen, you'll find only one person we're told not to listen to. And that's the false witness. Chapter 21, verse 28. Don't listen to a liar, but listen to everybody else. It's the first duty of the wise. Now, it takes a certain level of humility to do that, doesn't it? To listen to all of those people. We need to put away the pride that says they have nothing to contribute to us. And the good news is that Proverbs can help us with that as well. Chapter 11, verse 2. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. With the humble. Chapter 29, verse 23, one's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. It's humility that will bring honor and wisdom. There is a great story. It was read to us just a little bit ago in 2 Samuel chapter 16 about someone who would have been really easy to write off. His name is Shimei. And the scene is this, King David is leaving Jerusalem. His son Absalom has proclaimed himself king in his father's place. He is actually seeking his father's life. And so David has packed his bags and is leaving Jerusalem. And this guy Shimei comes out as David is leaving the city. We find in the text that he's a relative of Saul. He's ticked off that David was ever made king in the first place. And the text tells us that he came cursing continually. A steady stream of cursing coming out of his mouth directed at David. And he was throwing stones and dirt on David the whole time. Telling David, you're getting what you deserve from your own son. And then Abishai, David's general, is walking alongside of him, hearing the cursing, getting some of the stones and dirt thrown on him as well. And he says, David, let me go cut this guy's head off for you. What would you do? Great idea, Abishai. <laughs> go for it. And David says, Abishai, you don't get it. You don't get it. Maybe he's right. Maybe I am getting what I, do, what I deserve. Maybe God told him to say those things. What ultimately matters right now is how I respond. God is in control, even of this situation, and I'm going to trust him. So, they let Shimei go on cursing and throwing rocks and dirt. And the text tells us they arrived exhausted at their destination. I'll bet they did. Have you written somebody off? as not worth listening to. If ever there was a case of someone who you could do that with, it would be Shimei. But to do that is to deny that God has put this person into your life to help shape you into the likeness of Christ. To do that is to resist God. And the solution is to take that person and what he has to say as gifts from God. So do you want a gift or don't you? 
Sometimes it's hard to accept the gift because the wrapping is so offensive. And so that leads to a second question we can ask ourselves. Can you get past the wrapping? Have you ever noticed that sometimes the greatest gifts come in the lousiest wrappings? Ever receive a gift from a five-year-old? It's got like a whole roll of scotch tape on it and takes you forever to penetrate the scotch tape, but inside you find a really thoughtful gift. The reason we don't like to listen to some people is that the gift that, that they're trying to give us in terms of what they want to say to us is covered up by such an ugly wrapping job. Got to get past the wrapping. Chapter 12, verse 16 says, The vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignores an insult. A wise person can look past the wrapping. And the idea behind that word insult is the idea of being lightly esteemed. It's the opposite of the word glory. Uh, the word glory in Hebrew, kabod, is, is, it means heaviness, weightiness. When we speak about God's glory, we're, we're talking about something that is substantial, weighty, heavy. And the opposite is, is what is insignificant. Dust on a scale is not even to be considered. You ever had people treat you that way? Esteem you lightly? Disgrace you? Shame you? Make you feel small and insignificant? Feels awful, doesn't it? You bet it does. It may come as just a careless comment, not really intended for harm, just not smoothly delivered. The person doing the damage may not even realize he's hurt you. He may be really surprised to find it down the road. He meant it for good, but it leaves you feeling devastated. Some people have a knack for that. They're lousy rappers. Others can pinpoint something in your life that is dead wrong and tell you about it straight up and make you glad they told you. They're good rappers. Good rappers. And the lousy rappers are the ones we just want to push aside. We don't want to listen to them. But if we're wise, we won't let the rapping job keep us from benefiting from what they have to say. It may even be an intentional insult. The person may not intend it constructively. If we can profit from it, though, we can extract the kernel of truth that's in it. And if we can do that, we're beginning to learn what wisdom is all about. What do we assume about people who say things that hurt? What do we assume about gifts that come in wrappings that we just can't get past? We assume he's trying to harm me. We assume I've got to get away from him. We assume I need to write him off. I need to counterattack. Let me suggest some other assumptions that we can make instead. Here's one. He thinks he's doing what's right. How about that? He's not trying to be the bad guy. When two nations are at war, does one of them really say, okay, we'll wear the black hat this time? 
There needs to be an antagonist. There needs to be a bad guy. We'll do that this time. Well, they think they're on the right side. My dad fought in World War II. Brought home a box of things that, that I now have. One of them is a German belt buckle inscribed with the words, Gott mit uns, God with us. They thought they were on the right side. They thought they were on God's side. People act out of what they believe is right. The person who is insulting you really believes he's helping matters. Here's another assumption we can make. This person has something to contribute to my spiritual growth. We can get something out of it, however poorly wrapped it is. There's a kernel of truth in it for us to find. And we can say, I'm going to get something out of this if it kills me. And it won't. It's the third assumption that we can make, and that's this. God will be the one to settle it. God will. He's in control. You get back to 2 Samuel 16, the Shimei story. What does David conclude? Leave him alone. Let him curse. The Lord has told him to. David knew something that we need to understand. And that's this. God is in control. He is more than aware. He is taking notes he knows the truth even if no one else does. And the Bible tells us we don't always have to settle it ourselves. God will. That's a statement of faith. So get past the lousy wrapping job and see the gift that God is giving you in the comments of another person. There's a third question. It's the bottom line question that we need to ask when we get a gift. And that is, what are we going to do with it? What are you going to do with the gift? We are responsible for what we do with the gifts we receive. Responsible for our reaction to what others say. Chapter 29, verse 11 says, A fool gives full vent to his spirit. Other translations say, A fool gives full vent to his rage, to his anger. But, a wise man quietly holds it back. Or chapter 13, verse 10. By insolence comes nothing but strife, but with those who take advice is wisdom. Living Bible on that one says, pride leads to arguments. Be humble, take advice, and become wise. We can't control the behavior of others toward us, but we can control our response. Stories told about a man in New York City who was walking with a friend on their way to work. They stopped at a newsstand so that the guy could pick up a newspaper. And the guy selling papers just heaped abuse on this guy. And the man smiled and paid for his paper and continued walking with his friend to work. And the friend said, why did you let him speak to you like that? You should have let him have it. And the guy said, I'm not going to let him determine my response. Pretty good. Takes a lot of self-control to say that. How much more we 
who trust in a sovereign God can exercise that kind of self-control in a moment like that. It takes a level of confidence that God is in control. And you don't have to even the score. And when you're certain that God is in control, you can take a comment that is carelessly delivered or even maliciously delivered and weigh it out and leave the results in God's hands. You ever notice how it helps to take some time to cool down after an episode when you've been provoked? Right in the thick of it, the adrenaline is pumping, you got this fight or flight you know, response kicking in, and we're ready for battle. And in that moment, the warning signs ought to be going off in your mind. One mark of wisdom is just knowing when to remain silent, knowing not to answer in the heat of the moment. When we feel the adrenaline rush, we should hear the, the, the whisper of God saying, just don't talk right now. And the amount of time that passes between someone's behavior and our response is called a response interval. And the longer the response interval, the better our response is likely to be. Don't respond in the heat of emotion. Take some time to step back and gain some perspective. You ever think how helpful it would be if we could look at the comments of others as a gift from God intended to shape us more and more into the likeness of Christ? Isn't that what we want? To grow in Christ-likeness? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23 tells us how Jesus responded. It says, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. What's it take to respond to the comments of others the way Jesus did? It takes faith. It takes faith. Trust that God is in control, that he is aware that he ultimately will set all things right, takes faith. Do you trust him? Well, there's something else it takes, and that's humility. And that's a commodity that's in real short supply these days. But even as it takes humility just to listen, it also builds humility when we will do it. And maybe you're saying, I don't have that kind of humility. Well, do you have enough just to be quiet and listen and stretch out that response interval and trust that God's in control? If you do, he will build more into you. And as he does, he'll build something else in as well. And that's wisdom. Chapter 11, verse 2 says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. Seals have a unique ability to close their ears. It helps them when they dive. In a less literal sense, we have the ability to close our ears as well. 
We do it all the time when we hear things we don't want to hear. Let's be careful to keep our ears open. We need to recognize that God brings people into our lives for specific reasons as he shapes us into the likeness of his son. And whoever they are, we need to be careful to listen to them, to discern what God wants to show us through them as we grow in wisdom. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, I pray that you would help us to recognize your sovereignty over the events of our lives and over the very people who speak into our lives. Father, I pray that despite the wrapping, that we would see the gift and that we would listen eagerly to understand how you would speak to us through even people like Shimei. And Father, I, I pray that you would forgive us for the times that we have not listened and set us on a better path to recognize the wisdom of your word in Proverbs as it speaks to us and shows us how to live a life that honors you as we seek to walk humbly with you in response to what you have done for us through Jesus, your son. Help us to be more and more like him for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.